The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. We've got a busy Thursday coming up, ladies and gentlemen, here on Fantasy NBA Today. Multiple guests, multiple topics, different avenues, different worlds of fantasy that we got to cover all in a one-hour block. We'll do our damn best to get there. I am Dan Bespers. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company presentation. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. You can check them out on Amazon or H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, although as we've learned this week, repeating myself in the Committee for Redundancy Committee, of which I am a founding member, you can just search Dan from Hoopball on Google and my Twitter will come up. It's like the fifth or sixth result. It's D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. As I've said before, please do follow me on social media. We'll be doing a ton of our fantasy heavy lifting via social media once the season gets started in particular. Right now, Uh, A lot of what we've got going on on Twitter is just pointing you to various free and paid things we have available uh, through HoopBall, different podcasts, stuff like that. But boy, once Tuesday rolls around, I can't wait to type up my first what to watch for. And then I really can't wait to type up my first end of the night tweet storm on everything fantasy related that happened on a given night. We do it game by game. It is intense. It is fast. It's right as the games are ending. And it's one of the reasons that I hope you guys will give me a follow on social media. Uh, Please do rate and review the podcast. If you have a moment, we love those five-star reviews. It helps push us up the charts. We can continue to grow and keep this bad boy free forever. On today's program, we will be talking to Warzone Fantasy Correspondent Muhammad Leela. This is a a really fun interview. I've already done it as I'm recording this part of the show, so I know how it's going to go. Amazing human being with incredible stories and ones that for me I'm listening I'm like how is this even how is this possible how is this okay and how is this possible it's it's just it's fantastic that's coming up here in just a a matter of moments uh we talked to Muhammad about two years ago on this podcast actually so some of you uh, have actually heard from him before but uh, for a lot of you this will be the first time that you're able to check him out he runs an industry league with some of the big names in the business as well we'll find out how that draft goes when it's all said and done uh, we're going to talk to Coach later on in the show, our buddy Coach Joe Sarvati, who's winding down preseason DFS. I think they're like 8-1 and one on preseason cards or something crazy like that, the days that they've actually been putting out a lineup, uh, Coach and Micah Patria and Andrew Hansen on our DFS Today pod. So we'll talk to Coach about the transition from preseason DFS to regular season DFS. We've got a uh, DFS contest with our buddies over at Fantasy Draft. That's on Tuesday. Coach can give us a little insight on that. Uh, and also, that's by, believe it or not, that's not going to take up the whole show. That's about 40 minutes. I know this because those are already recorded. Uh, we've got a couple minutes here at the beginning of just what's coming. Uh, I've got a couple of things I want to remind everybody of, including recruiting and newsletters and things like that. Uh And then we'll also do some just straight Dan alone fantasy stuff on today's pod. That's not necessarily the order that things are going to be coming in, but it is an order. And so let's just get started. This may actually set the record for the longest length of time between appearances on Fantasy NBA Today, but damn it, worth the wait. Muhammad Leela back on the show, man. (laughs) It is a distinct pleasure, and I have to say, before we even get into the reasons why, I'm just glad that you're okay. Um, that's the nicest compliment <laughs> I've gotten um, for the last several weeks, Dan. Look, whenever I talk to you, I feel like in, I'm in the presence of fantasy royalty. Oh, stop, Dan. And like, and like, I don't know if there's like an emoji that I can send you where you're like on sitting up on a throne and I'm like coming and offering you like a plate of grapes or something. But um, that's... Yeah. That's how I feel, and and look, wherever I am in the world, um, I've got all the time in the world for you to be on this podcast. I love what you guys do, um, and and just you know, you and 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 Brew, just just well, first having Brew in my fantasy league is a big deal for us, but um, just being able to compete with you guys is amazing. So that was needlessly kind. I know you're full of it, but I'll take it anyway. Um, and I will say, 
if, if you're going to pour all of this on us, I've never been on channel 38 on my television. So <laughs> I think you may, I think you may have me beat on that front. Uh, the last time you and I spoke, it was like two years ago, I think. And you told, you told us, me, us, probably my favorite story that I've heard in the time I've been doing this show, which is, listen, I've made fantasy picks while crouched behind bunkers in war zones. And I thought, oh my God. And I'm complaining about a 90 second clock on my draft day. Mohammed, you've got me beat by a mile. So that story that I told you is 100% true. Um, and I can I can add to it and let you know that I've, I've been in that situation before uh, where I was trying to update my lineups on my phone and I wasn't getting good Wi-Fi signal. So I actually got up from one bunker. No, come on. And Yeah, I, I did. I did. Um, and I and I ran to another one because I I didn't want Dr. A, who's in one of my leagues, to pick up somebody on waivers because we were coming up to like the 3 a.m. Uh, start of the new day. What, what did you uh, tell? What did you tell the people around you? And they were like, Muhammad, no. And you're going, I got to I got to pick up. Yeah, Levert. You know, the cool thing is the cool thing is, is like when all that stuff hits the fan, nobody pays attention to the to the reporter in the corner. Right? Everybody's got a job to do. And and that actually like it sounds crazy, but that makes you feel safe because if everyone's doing their job, um, that's great. What you what you don't want is people not doing their jobs, right? But does uh, that so, ever make you feel unsafe though? Like, isn't there someone that should be making sure you're okay? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it takes a certain breed to go out and do the stuff that I do. Um, and we have training on on how to respond to things, and then a whole lot of it is just. Um, and you, you, you'll even see this with like soldiers and guys out there. A lot of it is just like, look, you do your job and you control what you can control and you can't control the rest. So don't think about the rest. Wow. Um, and that's how you get through situations like that. This is I mean, this is just so crazy. I, I, I'd love to just I'm sure my fans will be like, when are you guys going to talk about fantasy sports? But God, I want to just hear all the stories of this of of these types of places. Um, if you would like to know more people listening to this podcast, and I'm betting that you would please do follow Muhammad on Twitter at Muhammad Lila, M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D-L-I-L-A. I'm sure you're willing to tell these stories in social media. You can see uh, stories that you have told. Where are, are those archived someplace where people could pull them up? Cause I know you've been on CNN, ABC, like, the, yeah. Uh, so here's, here's the problem, right? So when people Google my name, the first search result that comes up is me rapping a newscast on ABC. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, That's a great so place I, to start. I, I literally went from like covering war zones to flying into New York and anchoring ABC News, and 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 I was it was late at night and I was bored, uh, and it was my last day on the set, so I wrapped a newscast, <laughs> and and for like I blame Google or whoever it is, but somebody decided that that should be the first search result that comes up on my name. Well, there you go. Our guest, our guest today on Fantasy NBA Today is rapping newscaster Mahalik. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I have a few things I want to talk about with you today uh, on, on our podcast hit. And uh, number one is it's draft season. So I'd kind of be remiss if I didn't ask you, and I don't want you to give everything away because I believe you have your big industry draft coming up in like a few hours. But who are a couple of names for you? What well, we can call them Leela's favorites because we did this with uh, Brandon Marcus the other day. Guys that you've been targeting for whatever reason. It could be because they're falling farther than they should. It could be because you feel a breakout is coming. It could be some weird amalgam of other reasons, new situation. Uh, who's, who's one? We'll start with one guy that you're kind of looking at and thinking, I hope this guy gets to me. Uh, you know that's a really good question. So, uh, like you said, we we I, for the last several years, I've been running um, one of what we think is one of the top expert uh, fantasy expert drafts um, in the country. And the cool thing about that league is that uh, we have Americans and Canadians. So we've got guys from like CTV and Bell Media here in Canada. We've got me here now in Toronto, and then we've got guys like Brew and, and a bunch of others. And uh, this is the first year that I'm drafting first overall. Um, and, and listen, like I've never drafted first overall in any league that I've been in. And when you do, it totally changes your perspective, right? Because now you're looking at nabbing one of these top guys. And I've never owned uh, James Harden before. I've never owned Giannis. Um, and now when I start looking at those guys, like I, this is going to sound crazy because he's already like hyped. But I think what James Harden did last year 
was not a one-off. Right. So like I, when was the last time somebody averaged 36 points a game? Like, uh, was it back to Michael Jordan era? I, I, I don't remember, but like, I think he could actually do it again. So and this, to me, that's insane. Hmm, interesting. Okay. So this is, this is actually an interesting take and one that we haven't talked about on this show before, which is it, this is a guy that's generally going inside the top five, but he's not going number one overall. And you feel like that in and of itself, actually makes him a little bit of a value. Am I reading that right? Yeah, I think, you look, I think you go into every draft with a strategy, and especially if you're playing in the nine-cat league head-to-head, um, you've got to look at punting at least one category. I think if you go in and you try to dominate nine categories, that's just not going to work. It's just not the way the stats work out um, and the way the modern NBA is played. But what I think you do is if you go in and you say, okay, I'm going to punt, for example, turnovers, which is a very ca- easy category to punt, James Harden's value jumps to number one as soon as you drop turnovers. And then outside of that, when you're looking at the other eight categories, he only hurts you in field goal. Everything else is a massive advantage. Uh, he dominates points. He'll get you great assists, great rebounds for a guard. He'll dominate steals, and he'll dominate threes. You get a little bit of a hit on field goals because he's going to go for about 44, maybe in an off year, 43% from the field. But you can easily compensate uh, around that with other players. But the idea of a single player having the potential to get you, let's say he doesn't get 36 points a game. Let's say he goes down to 33 or 32. Like, that's still insane. You're getting 32 points, six boards in an off year, could be seven or eight, and he's going to get you seven or eight assists a game, a couple of steals, and what, like four and a half three-pointers? I don't see how I don't see how he's going to regress that much because um, last year he played, when he was playing with CP3, he was playing well, with a pass-first point guard. Russell Westbrook is many things, but he's never been accused of being a pass-first point guard. And uh, so, so I think I think the Harden stats. Everybody's prog- uh, predicting a regression. I don't think so. I think I think plus thirty points a game is is going to happen. Um, and I don't see his other numbers taking a dip. And when you take that all into consideration. I'm super excited about uh, what he's going to do this year. So he's actually going third in most Yahoo drafts right now. But here, I, yeah, but here's why, right? The reason he goes third is because, like, I've seen a lot of industry drafts go up and people are taking Cat. They're taking Carl Anthony Towns first. And nobody's drafting these guys because of their upside. Nobody drafts Cat because they think he's just going to explode. No, durability. They're drafting, it's durability. And you don't want to roll the dice with your first pick. Well, I'm sorry to say, but Harden offers you that same durability. The guy just doesn't miss games. They're going to be in contention. They're going to be fighting for first round. Uh, they're going to be fighting for for home court advantage in the playoffs. So I think all of that kind of kind of lends to Harden as being the number one pick. And to be honest, the only sec, the only person I would consider other than Harden is Steph Curry, just because Durant is no longer in town and Clay is injured, and Curry might just go nuts. Curry might might do even better in some ways than I think Harden did last year. Um, but to me, those are the consensus top two. Interesting. Okay. This is, this is, I, I'm really, I, I like this a lot because this isn't, uh, you know, we, we cover these top five so often and everybody kind of says, well, it's a little bit of a wash. Like you could take any of Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, James Harden, Giannis, or Carl Anthony Towns. It feels like, Muhammad, you feel that Harden is a half cut above the other guys. Like, so I agree with you. I think those are the consensus top five. And if you look at those top five, which of them have which of them are sort of poised for having an even better breakout year this year? I don't think it's going to be Towns. I don't think it's going to be Giannis. I think Giannis will get better. His free throws will, will improve. And he's definitely top five. Um, but the thing with Harden is that he doesn't have to get better. He just has to not get worse. You know what I mean? So yeah. if, if he just if he even just comes close to repeating what he did last year then he's hands down the number one pick. I, I just don't see any way around that. Interesting. I like that as as player number one. Uh, Mr. Leela, player number two on your list of guys you're keeping an eye on slash targeting slash hoping falls to you. I need to come up with a better name for this segment, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, how about just like guys that won't suck? Guys um, that won't <laughs> suck. What is the yeah. acronym for that? G-T-W-S? <laughs> All right, the Gitwas. The Gitwas. Gitwas, yeah. The guys yeah, that yeah. won't suck. Who's guy that won't suck number two? Hashtag get was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we did it. We did it. They said it couldn't be done, but we did it. 
So I think there are guys that are being touted as sleepers, and I think they are. I think Bam Adebayo is going to have a great year. Karis LeVert, uh, Ricky Rubio should not be going 70th overall. He's got to be closer to 50. Um, I like Torian Prince. I, I was a big fan of his when he was on Atlanta. I felt like on Atlanta, he was kind of just like a throw-in. Nobody expected him to be any good, and he kind of proved himself. Uh, but he was the third or fourth option on Atlanta. I think going now over to Brooklyn, he's going to be the second, um, clear second option. I don't see where he hurts you. Maybe a little bit in field goals, but he only takes like 12 shots a game, so you can compensate for that. But I, I'm looking at Prince as having maybe the potential for 16 to 17 points a night, and I think that's realistic. Five or six boards, four assists, um, and plus one steals a game. Uh, I wouldn't take him in the top 50. But as soon as pick, you know, once you start getting to like pick 75 and upwards, somewhere around that range seems right. And I think his his average draft position is a lot lower than that. Um, but he's he's going to be playing a lot of minutes. He's going to be the second option. And anytime you're a starter and you're the second option on your team, <clears throat> getting a guy like that, um, you know, in that range seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah, he's. Uh, by the way, what do you his, think of Prince? Sure. Yeah, I, I think he's kind of a sneaky guy too because he's going uh, basically what you could almost call beyond the end of a lot of fantasy drafts. His ADP is yeah. one forty two. Uh, I, I I'm not a big proponent of ten teamers, but ten team drafts are actually done before he comes off the board. So this is a guy that you okay. could get basically at the very end of any twelve teamer. Uh, and he has the potential to be inside the top 100, top 90, maybe even better than that. I think he's, I think he's a fantastic choice as a late round guy that we haven't talked about a ton on this show uh, for reasons that you outlined. I, I'm and, not, the, and, and, and look, you you raise a really important point, and this deals with fantasy in general, any sport that you play fantasy in, but specifically for some reason when it comes to fantasy hoops. I think a lot of us, you know, a lot of people go into draft saying. Well, where can I get this guy? So, for example, when I was looking at um, my drafting strategy for our expert draft, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, probably, you know, so I'm picking at number one. When you get down to round five, it's I think it's pick 48 or 49. And I was looking, I was like, okay, I'm going to need an elite point guard probably at pick 48 or 49. Who do I take? And I started looking at Ricky Rubio. And then you look at his average draft position, and it's closer to 70, like between 70 and 75. And it's easy to say, well, okay, well, why you have to be crazy to take Rubio that high at 48 when his average draft position is 70. But I think the right way to go into a draft, and this is what's made me so, so successful in the past, is just forget about the average draft position and look at where you think that player is going to end up at the end of the year. So is it possible that Rubio goes back to his top 50 ways, back to when he was Minnesota? Absolutely. And if you believe a player like that is going to be ranked, say, you know, in the 40s, don't wait. Don't just don't just say, oh, well, you know what? It's too early to take him. Um, I'm just going to try my luck in the next round and see if he's still available. You've got to draft based on where you think people will end the year. And that's the only way that you can draft a solid team from like one to 12 or 14 or whatever number of picks you have. So what is your sweet spot when it comes to that type of mental gymnastics? Because we all do that on draft night. You're thinking, How, okay, can I let this guy go one more round? Can I let him go two more rounds and still get him? And then I can scoop someone else beforehand. Because you're always trying to figure out what guys are going to get back to you. Let's say, hypothetically, I'm not even going to use a real player. We're just going to work with numbers here. Let's say there's a guy who has an ADP of 100, picking a round number because that's easy to remember. Yep. And you think he's going to be the number 50 player at the end of the year. You're not taking him at 50 because that prices him out, but you're probably also not waiting to 100 because then you risk losing him. Where do you feel comfortable taking a guy like that? 20 slots? The, do you split the difference or is it a lot of feel really? Yeah. I mean, look, it also depends on where you're drafting, especially if it's a snake draft. So if you're in a snake draft and you're picking like between one and three or four, you've got to wait a long time on the rebound for it to become your pick again. And one of the things I realized, and, and I would encourage everybody to do this, like, look, if you're a fantasy player, you should like just log in to some of these expert leagues and kind of pop in and see how people are drafting, how early they're picking up players before they start doing well. Um, and what you see when you're in expert leagues is that everybody reaches. 
Like it's just it's a common theme, right? So for example, um, Luka Doncic this year is probably ranked somewhere around 19 or 20. But I could see him going as early as 11 or 12 in in this experts league because nobody everybody wants the guy with the highest upside and nobody wants to wait on him. So I would have no issues. Look, if somebody is ranked, say, at 100, like you said, um, and I think they're going to end the year at 60, I wouldn't hesitate to pick them with my 60th overall pick. Really? Even though that sort of cuts into whatever whatever value you might be getting on the guy? Yeah, and but this goes back to your this goes back to what makes fantasy managers great, but it goes back to also just what makes athletes great, right? Look, if you're if you're Kobe Bryant, you want that shot every time and you believe that you're going to make that shot every time. Right? If you don't think you're going to make that shot, you don't take it. But the moment the ball comes into your hands and you know whether there's 5 seconds left or 5 minutes left, when when you get that ball, you want that shot. Hmm. And I think that same kind of philosophy goes with with fantasy, right? It's like, look, who cares what everybody else thinks? Who cares if everybody else is, is, is you know, pounding the paint down low? You know what you want to do, so take that shot. And, and I think it's kind of ballsy, right? But um, you, you'll see over and over again, like when you're in leagues with people who are really good, um, they just don't care. Like, like to me, I, the, the, the average draft, you know, position is, it's kind of a useful metric, that can help you plan your draft a little bit, but you can't plan or base who you're taking based on that one metric alone. You just can't. No, you have you, unless you have a pretty good feel. This is something you hopefully can develop a little bit of over a long term. Is is kind of knowing who the other guys in your league are targeting. Then you can make a little bit of a plan on that front. But you know that's easier said than done, to be sure. I um, mean, look at look at a guy like Kevin Love, right? Very polarizing guy. Yeah. Either you love him or you hate him. His ADP is 50. If Love plays, what, 70 games, he's going to blow that ADP out of the water. Yeah, annihilates it. Right? He's, he's, he's a lock for top 20 if he plays 70 games. And so what it basically comes down to is, look, do you believe that Kevin Love is going to play 70-plus games? And if you do, it just doesn't make sense for you to wait until 50. You would Even, even if you drafted him at 30 and he plays 70-plus games, he's going to end up a top 20 player. And you've just you've just won that draft slot, right? Um, and that's what you got to do. You got to play your gut, man. The, you know, there's a lot of lot of guys out there, and you you play with guys like this, where everybody just wants to play it safe. And I get it. In the first round, I'm okay with playing it safe because you don't want you don't want your first round guy to get injured, aka John Wall, who just screwed me over like three years in a row. But um, <laughs> but but like outside of the first round, um, play your gut, man. That, that's what I would say. Yeah, I think I'm more of a first couple of rounds play it safe. I think I said three is generally my my window. Don't blow up your team early, but take some shots in the middle and late rounds to be sure. Uh, so, Muhammad, you got your big your big industry draft tonight, right? Are you are you stressing? Or are you feeling good? So the the draft is uh, the draft is tomorrow night. Oh, okay. uh, tomorrow night in the evening. I'm I'm feeling good. Um, I finally know what it's like to have first pick overall. And man, it's a good feeling. Well, at least everybody just, knows who you're who you're taking after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and maybe I'll throw a wrench in there, right? But no, I th- I think um, it's just a good feeling because also in a snake draft, when you when you're picking on the rebound, it's actually a very powerful position because you're picking two spots at the same time. Oh, it's great. And so and so, if you understand or you get an idea of where you think other people will take players, and you forecast like a round or two ahead, if you do it properly, I think you can always get the players you want. Um, so, Hey, if I want to go for Ricky Rubio at, at pick 49, um, I'll easily be able to get him. It just, it, it makes sort of predicting a little bit easier. Oh, um, when you're first it's so much better. The advantages of being in the front two or three of a draft, I think is almost immeasurable because number one, you are able to get one of those first few guys that's going to be able to, to kind of hoist your team onto their shoulders and a la Harden last year, who was just a head and shoulders above everybody else in the league. The second thing is, once you have that guy that can carry a team, you can actually take risks sooner. You could put an injured guy in your team like a Paul George at 25 or 26, and if he misses 13 games instead of 10, your team is still fine, and suddenly you get a potential top five guy back after a month. But 
who cares? You had Harden. He was carrying your team. Whereas, you know, a team that drafted 10th in the first round, that guy isn't going to carry the team. They can't afford to put an injured guy next to them and say, well, I'm just going to wait this thing out. And like you said, you can plot out the guys you're going to take. There aren't that many picks in between your two selections. If you're on the if you're on an end point, you actually go back to back, so you don't have to worry about getting sniped in between your picks. They're just there's so many advantages to having one of those first few overall picks. And I, I get it. Everybody keeps saying, Dan, why don't you play more auction drafts? Um, I just I can't do like three to four hours of drafting at a time. I have yeah. that's like a golf so- round. So, so Dan, you know that you just told a Warzone correspondent that you don't have to worry about getting sniped between picks. Right? <laughs> that was a that was a poor choice of words. I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not going to edit it out. I think people should know <laughs> that I'm a giant idiot. That's important. Uh, but but you you lost me at Paul George at 25. Do you think Paul George is going to hang around that late in most drafts? Yeah, I think people are petrified, and a lot of people are like, "Well, I got stuck with you know injured." or load management guy at 13 or 12 or 13 or whatever it is. So then they can't take the injured guy to go with that, that other one. So he's just falling and falling and falling. And I feel like the earliest I'm seeing him go lately is around 19 or 20, which is when you get back into that group of teams that has the beast of a first round pick and can sort of weather the injury storm of Paul George. I wouldn't be surprised if he almost made it back to you in your draft tomorrow. I feel like, this year is unique in that sense because like load management and we saw this in Toronto last year with Kawhi. Um, the problem was that load management worked, right? If it didn't work mm-hmm. and the Raptors didn't win, everybody would have said, Oh, it's because Kawhi sat out. But now I think people know that load management works. And so this year is going to be really interesting compared to other years because you've got people coming back from surgeries. You've got, you know, like you said, the Paul George, Kawhi, LeBron, um, you've got all these guys out there, and there's a big question mark on how many games these guys will play. And and I think this year is going to be a great litmus test because if we start seeing more guys go on load management, this is going to change the way that we draft teams from now on. Mm-hmm. And I might already do that. I, I want to see if you agree with a statement I made on a recent show, which is we are now in an era where you're actually giving players bonus points if they play 75 games or more, whereas even as recently as like three years ago, we were giving players demerits if they didn't get to 75 games played. It's now become a positive attribute instead of a negative one. Well, so I I think you're right, but I think as part of that, we're going to start looking at coaching strategies, right? And sort of like team philosophies. So in, in, for the last, what, 20 years, everybody's been talking about Popovich, right? And he'll just randomly sit out players and it was never called load management, but that's no, it was called getting popped. Of, it was called getting popped, right? But maybe it'll now called like we'll call it something else, right? Like like getting load managed or something. But I think you're going to have some coaches out there who are just going to not load manage their players for the sake of just their views on the game. Like um, Steve Kerr talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago with Steph Curry, where somebody said, "Look, is your plan to have Steph Curry sit out games?" And he said, "No." And, and I mean, I don't think Steph Curry wants to unnecessarily sit out games either. And that might be a different mentality than Kawhi because Kawhi has, you know, a, a chronic issue. Steph Curry had a chronic ankle issue, but it seems like he's well over that. So I think you'll start looking at – I think it's exactly what you said, that there will be bonus points. But there might also be bonus points for teams that just in general don't sit their players randomly. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, maybe Mike D'Antoni won't do that. And so, therefore, anybody on Houston is going to be of a higher value and a higher draft status um, than somebody else. Yeah, brilliant. That's perfectly said. That's perfectly said, Muhammad. Thank you so much, man. Can we can we do another one after we find out how your big draft went? Uh, man, I would love to do a debrief and just go over and see. Here's how, I mean, Bruski's in the in the in the draft and and just go over it and and uh, you know go 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 crazy on like ripping my team apart and and analyzing and see where everything went and the the advantage of that is like we try to do our draft as close as we can to the beginning of the year um to the beginning of the season yeah um so there are no surprises so i kind of feel like it's it's a good like indication of um of what people are thinking heading into the year I wish I had done a draft in between when Anthony Davis sprained his thumb and when Anthony Davis was ruled totally fine because I feel yeah. like there were probably a handful of drafts where he was going like fifth instead of second, and I would have loved to have been able to get him. Uh, this is, by the way, coming from someone who 
is in like five or six randomly generated draft orders and is not inside the top five in any of them. So I'm very jealous oh. of your first pick <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't evident already. Um, thank you so much for coming on today. This was amazing. I love it, man. Just con- congratulations on all your growth. And look, I will be on your podcast anytime. Congratulations on, as I said at the beginning, just being okay. That's a big deal, man. What a, what an incredible set of, of fantasy-related Warzone stories. I just love it. Uh, add Muhammad Lila on Twitter. Again, Muhammad L-I-L-A is the last name. Follow him immediately. Bug him about fantasy sports. I'm sure he would thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, let's get those results after your draft is done, man. Does that sound good? Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. Thanks, Muhammad. Thanks, Dan. Again, that's at Muhammad Lila on Twitter, L-I-L-A. What a, what a fun interview. There are some that just kind of get me going a little bit, and I think it's the ones that are just a tiny bit different. The interviews that just have something special. Those are the ones that wake me up a little. I love it. I love it. Okay. So here's what we got cooking. Here's what we got cooking on today's show. I didn't mention what our straight fantasy stuff is going to be, but I'm going to tell you right now. 30 Deep is alive, ladies and gentlemen. 30 Deep is off and running. The biggest, most intense fantasy draft, fantasy league, I think, on planet Earth. It's 30 fantasy experts. Aaron Bruski is the commissioner, by the way, and we often post updates on it, and uh, some of the Roto World guys, I know they do updates on us as well. Our buddy Benny Aziz talks about it. Um, I thought it might be kind of cool to just give you guys a sneak preview on how some of the picks are going. It's at pick number 117 at the moment that I'm recording this podcast, and we can actually just go through and we can... I'm not going to do a massive analysis on all of the picks, but just so you know what the industry pros are doing in a deep league, which is different, by the way. The strategy is a little bit different in a 30-team head-to-head league because you're there's going to be some punting, almost for sure. You have to try to find weird values very late in the draft, which we're not at yet. I mean, this is the end of the fourth round at pick number 117. But I thought it might be kind of cool just to go through and list off some of the early results in this league. So let's do that just for a couple of minutes here. Uh, starting at number one, and, and we're not going to break down many of them. I'll stop and I'll break down a few, just you know, reasoning why somebody might go in an interesting spot. But if it's where you expected, we'll just kind of gloss over it. So the top five, not as you expect. So we, we'll have a brief pause. Uh, Anthony Davis, Giannis, Cat, and James Harden went one, two, three, and four. Uh, but Jokic actually went five in this one ahead of Steph Curry, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, perhaps it's a, a bank on a different team build, but certainly in a 30 deep, I would have gone Steph at five because he has the the ability to carry your team in a way that Jokic can't really. The things that Jokic are good at, namely passing, rebounding, and both percentages you sort of can't guarantee your percentages in a head-to-head league. I know I talk about how much I love them all the time, but I'm a Roto guy. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to win you either percent, but he is going to keep you in good standing in both of them. There's a chance Steph could as well, as a 90% foul shooter, you know he's going to be fine there, and he could come back up a little on the field goal side. Steph also can win you points, threes, on a given week if he goes nuts in a way that I don't think Jokic can. And yeah, Jokic is going to be a little better in rebounding. There's no question about that. But they'll uh, Steph should have the edge in steals. Jokic a little bit in blocks. But again, not a winning number on that one. So to me, I think this was a missed opportunity. Somebody may be overthinking it a tiny bit uh, in a way that, listen, they, they have to sort of aim for a particular team build, but they're not going to have another pick for about 50. So you kind of just have to take the guy that you think can hoist the team up and carry him. Joel Embiid went at 7, Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard. All of this makes a lot of sense. You sort of take some shots where Embiid is going to be the better per-game guy, so he goes in front of those other dudes. LeBron James at 10 I thought was interesting. Probably an opportunity to maybe punt uh, turnovers or free throws. There is a lot of punting. Drew Holiday at 11, Russell Westbrook at 12. So again, you know you might see some names a little bit out of place, 
but it's all about team build in a 30 deep. Luka Doncic went at 13 in this draft. I'm, I'm not, I get it. I know there's a team build thing going on there, but he actually could be bad in both percentages and turnovers. So that's sort of a lot to give away when there are guys like uh, Kawhi still on the board and Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler and Kemba Walker and Andre Drummond. There are some much safer guys to scoop up in that territory. Uh, Kawhi went next, by the way, at 14. Trey Young at 15. Which, again, if you're punting turnovers, yeah, which is an, an easy decision in a 30-deep league. You can give up on something pretty fast. Then he makes a lot more sense in this territory. Zion went at 16. It's going to be fun to watch. Kyrie at 17, so he fell quite a bit. This is a spot where sometimes there's going to be a team that's like, look, I didn't think I was going to get this guy. I was thinking about targeting some other dudes, but here we are. Rudy Gobert at 18, which not a huge fan of. I think there's some centers you can get later on. And I don't know that he's a carrier team kind of guy, but if he plays all 82, then you've got a nice center, obviously. Kemba Walker at 19, Jimmy Butler at 20. That was a good one. That was Brew, actually. That one fell all the way to him. Uh, Andre Drummond at 21. I like it. Devin Booker at 22. So you sort of, when that guy falls to you, you say, all right, you know, I'm going to lean a different way with my team build. Probably punt turnovers, gun for some of the point assist scoring type categories. Donovan Mitchell at 23, De'Aaron Fox at 24, Nikola Vucevic to our buddy Eric Ong at 25. That, I think, was a steal for him that he fell that far. Uh, Paul George went at 26. That's a tough one, man. If you miss your first pick in a league like this one for a month, it's damn hard to come back from. You'll see injured guys and guys that are injury-prone tend to fall a lot in a 30-deep league. You just you can't put a hole in your team like that because they're filling is probably going to be like the number 250th ranked guy. It's just too big of a drop-off. Ben Simmons at 27. So again, you lean into a particular build here. DeAndre Ayton at 28. LaMarcus Aldridge at 29. And John Morant actually went at the end of the very first round. So that was an interesting uh, finishing pick there. Julius Randle went at the start of the second round. So it's a Ja-Julius pairing there, likely uh, throwing... I would assume free throw percent into the wind, but should be in pretty good shape in some of the other stuff. Uh, I took, I thought this was interesting. I took Jaron Jackson Jr. at 32, which, and I'll, I'll reveal all of my strategy here on the podcast. But again, it's all about team build. If you're stuck with one of those late, late, late picks where you're not even getting a second round guy in the, with your first pick on a particular draft, that's a hard place to start from. If this was a Roto League, you're probably dead. You just don't have that guy that can carry your team. You don't even have the guy that can think about carrying your team. you got to go way down the charts. But in a head-to-head league, you can start to think about, okay, how can I get my way to five or six of the nine categories? And when I ended up with LaMarcus Aldridge in the first round, which, by the way, I did regret a tiny bit after the fact because I figured, you know what, I could have taken... Uh, maybe a power forward or a small forward a few spots earlier, like a John Collins or a Pascal Siakam or even JJJ if I took him a couple slots earlier. Turns out I didn't need to. And then in this in this pick coming back at 32, there were a lot of centers still left. Miles Turner was still on the board. Mitchell Robinson was still on the board. Uh, so there were opportunities there, and I could have set myself up in a different way. But I took LaMarcus Aldridge first. And so right off the bat, I'm in really good shape in both percentages. That's one of the LMA tools of the trade. Over 50% from the field, mid-80s at the free throw line. That's a great way to start a team. Uh, in okay shape in points and rebounds. Very low in turnovers from a first pick overall in a draft. Okay in blocks. Lacking in steals, assists, and threes out of the shoot. So six are either serviceable to good and three are not good at all so then in in that moment you kind of have to think okay i have two choices here i need threes assists and steals to try to balance my team or do i kind of lean into what i've got going so far and try to shore up the six categories that i have and i think when i made my second pick it was it really wasn't that much of a debate i was thinking about i think i had basically said assists are dead you know, I took a guy who was going to get maybe two with his first pick overall, and there are just too many guys that were going to run me. The only big assist guy 
within even arm's reach of me at this point was probably like Chris Paul or D'Angelo Russell who would be healthier, and I'm not taking Chris Paul. Because if he misses a month and a half or two months, I'm just dead. The team's dead. And then you start thinking about reaching a ton because I'm not going to have another pick for 60 picks. You're in quite a pickle. So I went Jaron Jackson Jr. because I, I wanted to chase him upside here. You know, I got him at 32. What if he ends up as a top 20 guy? What if LaMarcus Aldridge is sitting near the top 20? Suddenly, I actually have a team that can compete. Because now I've gotten better in steals from a big man spot. Jaron Jackson's going to get probably close to a steal a game, maybe 0. 0.7 to 0.9. So that's okay. Not great, but okay. It gives me a little bit there. I still need it badly. Uh, but blocks are in great shape. Turnovers are still going to be pretty damn low. Rebounds are in okay shape. Uh, I don't know what his scoring is going to be like. I'll be honest with you guys. I think I probably take a little bit of a hit there. So that probably peels off a tad. But percentages should be solid. I don't think he's going to shoot all that poorly. He should get a lot of dunks. Uh, he'll probably hit a three. So suddenly I'm back like a way, not quite in the grave in that one, but also still in pretty bad shape. And assists are still a mess. Assists are still a mess. So at this point, I think I've probably said assists are dead. But I also look like I'm going to be pretty damn good in turnovers, blocks, rebounds, and both percentages at this point. I've got a chance to be, well, free throw percent is not locked in, but I can build a team that can kind of get me there. Because I know the guys coming back to me are going to be the weirdos in that uh, 80 to 110 range or deeper if you wanted to go that far. Let me give you guys the rest of round two, and then we'll talk to Coach uh, after my pick there, I don't know, I stopped because I thought you guys might be interested in my, my weird way of thinking. Uh, Matt Straub, who was drafting right next to me, he and I were texting a bit about being at the back end of this draft. He took Pascal Siakam right after me, so that was another guy that I, that I had been thinking about. Uh, Blake Griffin went at 34, Kristaps Porzingis at 35, Miles Turner at 36, which is a guy I was thinking of as well, Zach Levine, Jamal Murray, pretty early for Jamal, that's our buddy Benny. Uh, Draymond Green at 39, and Mike Conley went at 40. Mitchell Robinson fell all the way to 41 in this draft. I thought was interesting, and I did strongly consider him, although I already had Aldridge, so I, I wanted to make sure I got someone with a different position of eligibility. Uh, Bam Adebayo at 42, then Tobias Harris, John Collins, uh, who fell pretty far again. Karis Levert at 45. Clint Capella at 46. That's another guy who fell a long way. Uh... D'Angelo Russell, 47. McCollum, who went right in front of Buddy Heald. That surprised me. Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 50. Larry Markinen at 51. Demonis Sabonis, pretty early here at 52. DeMar DeRozan, Chris Middleton, 53-54. Those are pretty reasonable ones. Marvin Bagley at 55. Kyle Lowry at 56. Thomas Bryant went at 57. Then Otto Porter, who fell a long way in this draft. Lonzo Ball at 59. That was an auto pick, so we're not going to say anything there. And then Jason Tatum. At 60, rounding out the first two full rounds of the 30-deep draft. I thought you guys might enjoy that. Uh, a peek behind the curtain at the biggest, baddest fantasy league on planet Earth. A privilege, by the way, to be a part of it. It's very cool to be in the mix on that one. Uh, guys, remember to sign up for our newsletter. That is still floating around out there. You can do it on the HoopBall homepage, but the easiest way is just to follow uh, all of the various hoop ball things on Twitter, myself included, at Dan Bespris. It's easier, as I've mentioned, to just search for Dan from Hoopball or follow at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter, Hoopball Fantasy or at Hoopball Tweets on Twitter. Those are the two kind of main hubs for Hoopball social media. We'll be tweeting the links out from that one as well. Uh, we've only been talking about it just for this week, and 500 of you have signed up for the newsletter already uh, and and counting. And this is without it really being evident anywhere on our page. This is just from this podcast and Twitter telling you about it. And I can't give you the link over the podcast because it's too long and ungainly. I wish we had a link that was like hoopball dash, you know, slash newsletter or something like that because you could just go there pretty easily. We don't even have that set up yet. This is really just the first crack at it, and it's been a really big turnout. That newsletter is going to have exclusive content from Aaron Brewski, actual articles from Brew himself going straight to your inbox that cannot be found anywhere else. So this is, I'm not selling you something right now. I mean, I guess I am technically, but it's a free thing. I'm selling you a free thing 
but it's free Aaron Brewski content. So check out our, our Twitter feeds. It takes eight seconds to type in your email address and your first name, and you're on the list. That's easy. You just go to the link, type in those two things, and then you're on the list. Um, we have some DFS to talk about here late in the show, and I also wanted to remind you guys about the recruiting stuff. We'll do that afterwards. Maybe we should have moved the timing around. I don't know, Coach. I'm like, we're doing a DFS hit here on a Thursday pod, and there's like, what, two days of preseason left, and then you guys get a little respite? But whatever, man. How are you? I'm doing great, Dan. I'm doing real well. How about yourself? I know this is like crazy, crazy busy time right before the tip of the regular season. How are you holding up is the better question. Not great, coach. <laughs> Not great. I got uh, I got like six drafts all going on in the span of a couple of days, many of them running concurrently, and a handful of them are, you know, the one minute. Uh, I like the fast drafts, actually. I like that. You know, that you get in, you get out. Those are, you have to battle with stress. Other people, I think, make worse decisions. But uh, yeah. beyond that, there's just like a thousand things I'm trying to keep pointed in the right direction at Hoopball. Uh, and that's got me, I'm working like, as soon as I drop the kid off at preschool, sometimes even before that, until like 11 or 12 o'clock every night right now. And I'm still running behind somehow, which is... It's both good and bad, but whatever. I'm not here to complain. This is a great it's time great of year. Stuff, yeah, man. basketball season starting. How's how's preseason DFS going for you and Mike and Andrew? And now we got a couple guys running our DFS forum posts. It's a it's a good time to be DFSing over here. How awesome is that, man? I am so pumped for that. You know, when I I saw that thread go up a couple days ago, it was like, all right, now we've got, you know, we've got the pods up every day, and we've got all of the the news that's, you know, churning on that forum with, with our new guys jumping in there. I mean, I am loving it, man. It is awesome. And and we've been crushing the preseason, you know, just as we hoped. We've pretty much turned a profit every day of the preseason except for one, which is pretty darn tough with, you know, half the field getting scratched throughout each day. So it's like constant juggling. But uh, so far we've survived it. We've got a couple days left. And then we get, like you said, a little respite with Saturday, Sunday, and Monday break. And then Tuesday, uh, Monday night, we'll we'll uh, uh, record our show for the Tuesday opening tip. And then on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, I think you told me this last week, uh, we're having a, two, a hoop ball DFS contest, right? We are. We are. We'll we'll Ooh, announce fun. that here later in this week. It'll be the first fantasy draft coaches challenge. 300 max entry event so we'll be plastering that all over everything here in the next couple of days <laughs> yeah I, and i'll be uh donating my money to the crew basically right <laughs> no. no i'm telling you man we we slowly but surely we are we are progressing you up the dfs food chain like we discussed last week and i think We'll, we'll get you there. We're, we're, we're going to get you there. Okay, so here's my questions for today's Coach Hit. Number one, follow Coach on Twitter, at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. How do you, this is a big one, how do you make the transition in your DFS lineups from preseason to regular season? What is the What are the big moves? Because, you know, as, as someone who, who doesn't pay much attention to the preseason, largely because I don't want my full season fantasy takes to get clouded by, you know, weirdos playing 25 minutes and superstars playing 11. Mm -hmm. The understanding for me is still that type of stuff can be a little bit confusing because now the time of everybody on the floor changes so dramatically. So how do you make your adjustments for a lineup building? Do you go to, you know, I, I remember distinctly, you said you don't have to spend all of your money in the preseason. It's just not, those guys are not as relevant. Do you on day one change that, or is that something that's a couple weeks in? Listen, I'm I'm doing a lot of the the uh, I'm I'm waxing here, which is sort of stupid. Uh, I'm turning the floor over to you, Coach. How do you make that that pivot? Well, this this is actually one of the easiest questions you've ever asked me, Mister Dan. Okay, it's very simple. After tomorrow night's slate, the the Friday night final NBA preseason slate. You take everything you you strategized and thought and put to works throughout the preseason, put it, roll it up in a nice ball, 
place it in the toilet and flush because it's gone because <laughs> everything changes. Tuesday's slate, it's uh, basically you flip what you did in the preseason on its head. So all of the strategy changes. And now you're looking to build lineups with, you know, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. The Milwaukee Bucks have been a team I've faded all preseason. That is because they're a veteran team. They already know their rotation. They don't have guys scrambling to be starters or scrambling to make the team or, you know, anything of that nature. So Coach Bud is, you know, as expected, rested his guys a lot, used a bunch of the bench. So you don't want to play those guys in preseason. Now, when Tuesday comes, you've got your stalwarts that you're going to have to look at right off the bat. Number one being Giannis and then Middleton and, uh, you know, Bledsoe, if he's back healthy. And you start evaluating everything differently. And in the inverse, I've been using a lot of uh, Charlotte uh, Hornets because they have been everything I just said, the opposite. You know, they're trying to get chemistry, trying to see who's going to be in their rotation. You know, the guys like P.J. Washington have emerged, excuse me, in the preseason to be, uh, it looks like, as a starter at the four for them. So I've been using a lot of Charlotte players. So. Uh, you know, that basically answers it, Dan. I mean, you just you take what you you use to build a nice little bankroll in the preseason, reset it. And then you're looking at, you know, the, the world of DFS works in this 24 hour period. What happened yesterday, what happens tomorrow does not matter. It's this uh, 48 minute game for each player for that day and how you evaluate that and you build your roster and your your team build on you know high salary guys mid-level and then the key is is really finding those those value guys that can help finalize a winning build so on day one are you now how do you rebuild your projections for minutes and all of that type of stuff well it's it's like i say it's you know the the preseason is not in any way a shadowing of what's going to happen in the regular season. You know, we've done all of this scouting prior to this season season coming around, you know, all the different avenues of, of uh, research and preparation. So now you just, you know, you know who's expected to get the minutes, what those rotations will look like. You know you're never going to get, you know, 35, 38 minutes from like a Joel Embiid, but, you know, he is going to, start logging 25 to 30 minutes in games. So you evaluate that with somebody, you know, like a Giannis who now that they're pushing the go button is going to get that mid thirties type level. So just all of the knowledge that you have and knowing the rotations, knowing the coaches, knowing the talent on the teams, uh, you, you uh, use that to your advantage. And especially the first month of the season, you know, we've talked about this a lot as well as that first month of the season, the sites are adjusting the cost of the players. You know, I, I always keep saying in the preseason, the Harden slash Westbrook factor. I mean, you got the number one and three usage guy from last year, uh, their salaries through the roof. They're going to have to adjust slightly. Westbrook's will a ton. Harden's will just a little bit, but they'll adjust. So you got to watch all that stuff and take advantage of those spots that you can get a big edge. Okay. So that, that, that was a big one. I, I started you off with the, the whopper of a question of how to do that pivot. How sure. would you, uh, I, I, I reckon that the best advice then for folks like myself who are trying to figure out how to, to, to do these, th- this transition is to just listen to the damn podcast then, huh? You know, that's, that's one great way to do it because two <laughs> things, one early on, honestly, Dan, you know, guys that are newer to DFS or, or looking to take it to another level, you know, you're going to want to get a lot of our insight and preparation that we, we've been getting ready for. Then on the second side of it, you're going to see and learn sort of what we're utilizing, uh, you know, for example, the, the pace, you know, looking at each team one through 30 on the pace, uh, evaluating all those different pieces that help us build our lineups that we'll talk about on every pod each day. Uh, because those are things when you start formulating your own lineups more, you know, contrary to what we're doing, maybe on the pod, you start looking at the areas that are important. You know, what is 
the matchups that day, which teams guard centers really well, which teams are horrible against centers, because all of those pieces come into play. And the mind shift from the year-long player to the DFS player is, you know, you're just looking at that matchup that day. So, you know, a team that, that sucks playing against centers, that's going to elevate that center playing against that team right up the chart as opposed to just a year-long league where you're looking at consistent performance. Well, I can tell you definitively, I will be following whatever the hell you guys tell me to do. <laughs> <laughs> there's just, there's so many things that, there's so many factors that I don't generally look at as I'm working my way through, you know, all the different weird little things that go on with my season-long stuff that you, you yeah. have to be ready for. Um, opening night is Tuesday of the NBA coach. Can we get you for a quick hit before opening night, just to kind of reset the table here and, and give us a preview? I would love to. Absolutely. That okay. would be great. Beautiful. I, you know, I'm still, I'm going to keep requesting until our listeners start backing me. I want, I want, let's, let's groove, uh, earth, wind and fire, at least for the opening of the season, I think I should get five second intro of my song. You do deserve that. You do. I'm I'm slacking, man. This is all. This is this is the best for fail. You can put this in the lost column. No, <laughs> no. I'm just keeping the pressure on. That's all. That's good. You should. <laughs> you you certainly should. He is coach here. That's what we call him. His name is Joe Sarvati. That's his Twitter handle. J O E S A R V A D I. Go check out DFS today. Hoopballs NBA DFS daily podcast. Seven days a week. Well, really any day where there's a card. So like you said, a couple days off here. Uh, Coach Mike Apatria, Andrew Hansen on the pod. We've got Andy G and Miles running the forum thread. It's a great time to be a Hoopball DFSer. Coach, we'll talk to you in a couple days. Fantastic, man. And, and for the listeners out there, Dan is the GOAT. There's not many people that could put a team like this together and flip the switch with DFS. So big shout out to you, Dan. Thanks for everything you do. Thank you, Coach. I don't know what that man's doing thanking me. He and Mike and Andrew and my our two forum DFS experts, also named Andrew and Miles, are just clobbering right now. And it's just, it's building like a snowball. I see a new person in the forum thread every day. The show is generating a lot of buzz, particularly on YouTube, which... I'm learning a little bit about the DFS world as we get these things uh, rolling here. Um, apparently, YouTubers find DFS shows quickly and efficiently. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like there's an extra 20 to 30 people that find it every day on YouTube. And, it, you know, it's really it's very cool to watch a show kind of grow from its infancy. And that's what that one is doing right now. And they're winning for you guys going seven days a week. There's a pod every day. They'll take a couple days off, as you heard, with uh, the break between the preseason and the regular season. But they're going seven days a week on that podcast. And they're going to win you money. So I, I strongly suggest you check it out. Uh, had a lot of people hit me up over the last couple of weeks since we put out our recruiting clarion call. And we're going to keep it going. If you think you can write and want to write for fantasy sports, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. If you are a podcaster or think you can podcast or just feel like being enthusiastic and passionate on a broadcast, hit me up on Twitter. If you are an expert in something that maybe you think we're missing at HoopBall, hit me up on Twitter. We have people that are building out our marketing platform and our social media platform. I'll tell you what, right now, I'd love it if somebody came on to teach me how the hell to promote something on YouTube. I know where I'm weak. <laughs> so if you got some of these skills, bug me. We're looking for contributors at hoop-ball.com. At Dan Bespris, again, is that Twitter handle. Bug me, bug me, bug me. I would love to talk to you, see if there's a fit. Uh, we, you know, This is not a dabble, though. This isn't like, hey, I got 30 minutes a week I can spend with you guys. We want somebody who really wants to help grow this thing from the inside. Be a part of HoopBall as we continue to take off uh, because we are starting to get to that cresting point where... You know, two years ago, it was like, well, here, come join us. We're just, we've just been born and now we're growing and we're growing fast. So come join us. This is a perfect time. Get in. We're like, we're not at the ground floor anymore. We're on like floor two, uh, but we'll still stop the elevator for you again at Dan Vespers. A uh, big thank you once again to Muhammad Leela. Uh, just incredible. I had so much fun with that interview and coach as well. Their Twitter handles, Muhammad Leela. 
his name is his Twitter handle. You can find him that way. Again, he's, I mean, this is a dude I've watched on TV. Uh, coach is at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. I am, again, at Dan Bespris. Lots of reasons to bug us on social media. Head to hoop-ball.com. Check out the draft guide with the B-150. This is draft week for you guys, and I do have a coupon code. I've got a coupon code. If you want to use it, just ask me. You can ask me in the forums. You can ask me on Twitter. You can shout it to my window. Ask me for a coupon. I'll save you guys some money. Want to tell you guys tomorrow about the premium package. That's going to be on Friday's show. We're also going to break down the rest of the D-bombs. Tomorrow's show that will carry you through the weekend. All of the very late potential values. Some of them plotting sorts. Some of them upside guys. But they're all not sexy. And they've all fallen way too far in your drafts. That'll bring us through the weekend to next week, Monday. Last show before the season begins. I can't believe it have a fantastic weekend everybody good luck if you got drafts this weekend i know i have three heaven forbid they all go okay we will talk to you on monday goodbye everyone this has been a hoop ball presentation